Welcome to the Effortless Swimming Podcast, the show that helps swimmers and triathletes love the water, become a better swimmer, and live a better life. Here's your host, Brenton Ford. Welcome to episode number 111 of the Effortless Swimming Podcast. On today's episode, it is a Rottnest recap. So we've got the winners, Solomon Wright and Heidi Gann, who won the male and female section in both record times. So Solomon uh, just went under four hours. Heidi went, I think it was 4.21. So incredible swims by both the guys. And I've got them on the podcast talking about their lead up to the to the race, how they fueled, uh, their pacing, their strategy. And you'll also hear that both of them had a bit of an interrupted lead up. So they essentially got six weeks of good training in the lead up to the race. Whereas before that, Solomon, Solomon was injured. Heidi was sick for a number of weeks. So we go into a bit of detail about what they did to combat that and how they managed to put six weeks of training in to still get a good result. We've also got Lissandra DiCavallo on the podcast, who's my friend who was on a few earlier episodes, and we talk about how we went at the race and uh, how we found it. So let's get into the first interview with Solomon Wright, the winner of the Rottnest Channel Swim for 2018. First of all, congratulations on your, your win at Rottnest, and we were talking just earlier about your very little preparation or, or amount of training leading up to the the race so you were um you're out injured and yes i was yeah <laughs> out injured for three months and then you only managed to get six weeks of training in before the the race can you talk a bit about what what happened there and um and then you lead into the race yeah look about october last year i was at the world cup in um china and then again in hong kong and my shoulders went and uh that was a bit of a setback after massive base through the winter and through the, the summer previous. So then I was out for three months and with a few few cortisones in each shoulder. And then um, around Christmas, I decided to get back into it and then targeted Rotto as my main my main thing. And I sort of it was a bit of a it was a bit of a reach at the time, but uh, I got back in the water and seriously was into physio and all my rehab exercises and you know building up my training and just I really just did a big long slow six week build into Rottnest and then managed to come away. That's, that's unreal. Was there anything over that those three months that you were out, were you doing any other type of training? Were you running or riding to keep your aerobic fitness up or was it just all physio? Uh, I was just all physio. I didn't do, do a single bit because um, the, the, the shoulder surgeon advised me to not exercise too much while the cortisones were sitting in there and doing their job. Do you feel like, did you have quite a big base before that? Do you feel like that, kept you going enough yeah. to be able to pick up from you know that yeah absolutely yeah well because i had because when i got injured i was at you know peak fitness at world cup so it was sort of going from peak fitness back into normal so i don't think i would have been able to do the get the result i had off without that base really without those winter k's but i mean it wouldn't it, it was just the, the starting point you know getting my um speed and my distance back up and the k's under my belt we're, uh, we're a lot easier after that base for sure. What sort of um, what sort of case are you doing in the six weeks leading up to the race? Oh, because I was just going off how what my body was telling me I was building. So I obviously I'd, I'd planned out weeks in advance. You know, I want to do fifty k's this week, sixty k's that week, and then back off before the race. So I started off with you know two k sessions around Christmas time, and then you know built up to two and a half k sessions, and then three k sessions, and four, and five, and six, and seven, and eight. So two weeks out, I did, I think the biggest was a 65K a week, two weeks out. And then I sort of did a, a lighter week to get a little bit fresher and then race. 
Yeah, right. That's um, that's unreal. Did you find that the pain or the injury was starting to flare up at all, or you're able to manage that quite well? Oh, it did, but whenever it did, I've got a had a massive support network behind me, you know, physios and I've got my surgeons and my doctor. So if there was an issue, I'd go chat to them. But you know, I've got all my exercises and just talking talking to my physio, getting a bit like late minute. Um, late minute sessions, treatments, and my coach is really good too. I was working very closely with her at Miami, and you know, just being um, asking for help because I needed it. Mm. And, and what sort of um, sessions were you doing? Like, what was the, um, you know, how much sort of long, easy distance ones were you doing? Was there much that you're doing at sort of threshold or kind of rottenness pace? What was the the general outline for a, a week? Well, because of the because the the way that the race is, you know, it's such a long race, and it's not it's not a pack swim in as much as other, you know, the Olympic distances and at nationals, you might be you might be in a pack for a long time, but because you're finding your own canoe and your own boat, you're sort of doing your own thing. So you really need to, because I, I did it last year as well. I figured that I really need to know your own pace and know where I'm at. So every session was, you know, do your warm up and then straight to well, my goal was every session straight to a roto pace or you know roto feel was what i was trying to go for you know that feeling in the second 10k where you're you're working but you're not you're not gonna um, you're not gonna die anytime soon because you don't really want to die with a few kilometers to go so mm-hmm. i was sort of warming up and then going straight into that pace for as pretty much as long as i could and then building up that pace every week and then cooling down and that's it hmm. and um I mean, you. So you broke the record, which was just under four hours. Which is, yeah. I'm sure you're glad to to get that extra sort of thirty seconds yeah. in and get under four yeah, hours because it's not you know event you're going to go and do uh, every yeah. you know, every week. So that's which is <laughs> so, such a quick time. And were you thinking that you could hold around a one twelve pace? Well, I'd sort of train around that pace anyway. That is my sort of in the pool, you know, roto pace. If you're going to be going super long cases. You'd be training for holding, you know, 109s, 108s. When I was in peak fitness, I was even holding 107s before World Cup. But, um, but you know, for this roller, for this build-up, I was holding around there anyway. And then I was just trying – the key was make sure that I could hold that because I knew that four hours would be roughly 112s. And if you can – like everyone can do – well, not everyone, but it's a lot easier to do 10 kilometers than it is for 20. That second 10K is where the real clincher is. And if, if you can just hold your pace – and not drop off, then you're going to do well. So that's what I was really focusing on in my training. And then, so I sort of knew that when I was ticking my arms over, you know, getting good tempo going, I sort of knew that I was on a good pace. I didn't quite know that I'd be exactly 112s and just to sneak under four. I didn't really have a clue, but I knew that I was at a good tempo and I just held my rate. And then the result was what it was. Did you, um, how'd the race feel? So sort of going through, you know, the first 10Ks, how'd that feel? And then um, you know, with five to go, did it? Did you feel like you managed to just hold your pace the whole way through? Was there any times where you got cold or sore or fatigued yeah. at all, or you like what? How did it feel for you? Well, it was a good race, as in the first, as as with lots of these races, as doing the training that I do, it's often because I train for the ten k. Normally, it's often around that you know that twelve to fourteen k mark where the hammer sort of hits. And this time around, that's really what I was focusing on to be able to push through. So when I did get cold, because it was cold around the middle of the race, and it was, and when I did get really tired, so around you know 16, 17k this year, I was able to keep that tempo up. So I just really focused on my tempo and focused on my stroke and keep ticking over because of the waves and because of the swell. It was not worth it to focus on pulling on my pulling my stroke more and being a more efficient stroke. My the 
the best way forward to get a faster time was to just get my tempo up. And that was just, you know, race knowledge and just knowing the knowing the conditions and racing to the conditions really. Do you know roughly what stroke rate you tend to, to sit around for oh. something like Rotto or is it just, just go by feel? It's just the feel of it really, just a comfy – if I was in the pool, it would probably translate to, you know, 109s just ticking over. Just like, It's all dependent on how much kicking you do, how much – uh, stroke you do but no I wouldn't be able to tell you exact number yeah yeah just going by feel and um what about your f- feeding what did that look like for the race my feeding was pretty good actually I had dad on the boat feeding me so it was every every 20 minutes I had a feed after you know after the start where I got past the the Lewin out at 1500 meters I was feeding every 20 minutes after that and you know just whatever personal preference was my pre- my preference is you know a bit of um, electrolyte drink and a gel or and then every now and then a, a, one of the caffeine tablets every few hours just to keep everything ticking um but yeah it's all personal preference really and some people like to feed every 30 some people like to feed every 10 or 15 but for me 20 is a good number and yeah it's, it really worked it was all smooth sailing for my feeds and the rest and what about when you first got back in the pool six weeks ago what was that roto pace like for you where were you sitting Oh, time-wise, I would have been at one twenties, but um, you know, it's more about the feel of it, you know, and the tempo. I wasn't, I wasn't pulling any water because my I had weak shoulders and my kick wasn't there and my body position was very low in the water. And then over the six weeks, you know, constantly thinking about that tempo, thinking about that body position, stroke technique. So they sat up higher in the water and went faster as a result. And so you said you did it. You raced last year as well. I did. What I did, What yeah. was different for you this year? Aside from obviously the the, the leading, leading um, different. Well, the conditions are obviously much different. Last year I was um, I was fitter, but I wasn't as prepared for the race. Last year I swam in nationals um, in late January, so I had a I had three weeks between nationals, which was the ten k, and it, it's a twenty k weekend because of the five k race, and then the relay. So the twenty k weekend was three weeks before that, and I didn't quite have that preparation going. And then this year, because I didn't race nationals due to my injury, I was solely focused on Roto, so I was able to perfectly build all the way through, and that helped a lot. Mm, yeah, so, that's, that's, and you feel like that was the main main difference for you? Yeah, it was. And also, I've, this is that last year was my first 20K, and then this year was my second. And having that experience of knowing what it's like at um, 14K and knowing in my body and what it feels like to um, know how much percentage of, you know, how much fuel in the tank you've got left, so you know when to push. Because last year, last year I... Um, I died a lot harder at 15k and it was a real struggle the last 5k whereas this race I put on a little bit of a build in the last 5k and I was able to know when to go and how how hard to go for a sustained effort because when you die in open water when you you know when you're hitting the wall it's a massive just like any distance event it's a massive massive hit and so the longer you can delay hitting that wall and you can just sit at a nice tempo you're going to go from you know 110s to 111s instead of you know hitting the wall and going 110s to 120s and that's yeah. a lot bigger that's a lot bigger difference. And that's exactly what happened to me this year. It's the first yeah, 20K right. swim I've done. And it was, yeah, about 12, 13Ks in, it just, I hit that wall big time. And yeah, um, yeah dropped off from from low 120s to, I think at worst, it was like, it was 140s. It blew out massively. So, yeah. um, and I, I just didn't know what it was going to, to feel like. I think I probably went out that little bit hard at the start. And yeah. um, just didn't know how much it was going to, to sting those last yeah. couple of Ks. Um, and it's, that's the, that's the thing with, um, doing anything like, like this, where it's a real endurance event, a lot of it just c- comes down to getting the, 
the experience and, and knowing how it will feel and how you need to pace it and, and what tempo you need to sit at. And I mean, do you think you'll do yeah. this next year? Is that the plan? I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure. Well, this year I didn't get any. Uh, I didn't get any sponsorships and stuff for it. So for it, so it cost me a bit of money to go over and do it. So I'm not sure. It depends on how I'm feeling. It depends on the race schedule for next year, like where the swimming Australia put nationals at. And it depends on the other races around the world and World Cups might change date every year. So we'll see what we go. But um, I've, I'm hoping to do it again. I am hoping, but um, it might be in the form of a duo or a team or depend. It all depends on the dates and what the schedule is like really next year. No, we don't really know until much later in the year. So we'll figure it out then. Yeah. And they had, they had a bit of prize money up for grabs this year. I don't know what it's been like in yeah. past years, but it was, what was it? Seven grand for first? Yeah, it was seven for seven and a half actually. But and That's the good. year before that was five k, and the year before that was less. So you know, it was going up every year. So obviously, that was a major factor to to doing it. For yeah, me. That, that, that's good because I mean it's not a cheap race to to do. You know, you've got the, the no, boat, no, which can cost, yeah, and flights as well. Yeah. You know, you're sort of yeah. looking at um, at minimum, you know, fifteen hundred, two grand to actually do the race itself when you factor in accommodation yeah. and. Um, that yeah, sort of stuff as well. So it's good that they've they've put some prize money up, and I think it it seemed like there was there's quite a few good swimmers there this year. Maybe with the prize money, it attracted a few few more good swimmers. Yeah, yeah, I think I think so. I think you know there was a few people umming and ahhing about it, and then because of the extra prize money, well, like myself, I was umming and ahhing about it six weeks ago, and then I figured that if I came in the top three, I'd at least break even. You know, so then I thought that I was a good chance of that. So. Did, did you know you were out in front during the race or was it did you not have strict instructions to say don't tell me where I'm where I am oh no I'm quite the opposite I quite like to know where everybody is I was yelling at my crew to tell me where everybody is <laughs> um, but no at the start I was I really didn't because it's such an individual race and you know you're off with your own paddler and you're off with your own boat I just wanted to take it out hard and then make sure I could keep that tempo up throughout the rest of the race so no I took it I was leading from the from the start really I just sort of took it out and did my own thing and made sure because that no one else could you know draft off me or know where I was because I knew that with my with my preparation if I if it was coming going to come down to you know the last hundred meters last two hundred meters then I might not have been in the best position to take it out so I knew that my best strategy and my best hope was to take it out to um, about fifteen k's and make sure I had a good berth on everybody else and then you know just hang on to the end really yeah nice and um and just going back to your training what. I mean, those the sessions you said most of them were essentially just a warm up, then swimming at rotness pace or rotness feel, sure, and yeah. um, and then just swim down. Was it just essentially getting the the distance done at that pace, and you just broke it up in whatever intervals that you felt like for that day, whatever distances, whatever yeah, sets well, was it? Or yeah, absolutely. Well, it depends. You know, if you're doing if it's say you know a long, super long distance set, and you're just going for aerobic capacity. Then you know, do five one thousands or you know six eight hundreds at rotness pace is like what I'd be thinking in my head, and I just do it on a cycle, whichever one. Coach and I agree on at the day, and I might chuck in the pool boy or something to mix things up because four five one thousands can get a little bit boring. But yeah, but um, but yeah, it all depends on the day. And if I was doing you know a, a threshold set, I'd go at you know slower than rotness pace and rotness pace and then faster than rotness pace and just constantly with everything was in relation to how whole. How hard can I go for 20K? And it, it, can I hold this for 20K was the thought process throughout all of it. And if I couldn't, I'd, I'd recognize that and be, think that, you know, I'm going faster than what I'd normally hold. Maybe this is at the start. Maybe this is if I need a breakaway from a pack scenario. Um, but yeah, everything was just in relation to how I was feeling and what I thought that my endurance was for and what it could be for the race day. Hmm. 
And um, what was your longest session in the lead up? Um, I did a few. T- I did a few ten k's. So I did three. I think I did three ten k's in the lead up. So I did one a uh, week out, and then I did one a week and a half out, and then I did one two and a half weeks out. And those ones were mainly, you know, because of my injury, I mainly mainly a little self check to see where I was at and um, make sure that I could do the distance. You know, because nothing quite compares to actually doing the distance. It's hard and it's very boring sometimes, but sometimes you just have to have to go the extra k's. And yeah, yeah so it's I, it's a bit I did, of a too, ones. isn't it? Just knowing, like, yeah. just getting through those those longer sessions. Absolutely. Well, once you get on a twenty k race, once you get to halfway, you know, okay, I've done one full session and I've done, I've, I've done plenty of these, so I can do another one. No worries. Yeah, exactly right. Um, and so, what's next for for you once you get your shoulders? Right, are you aiming for Open Water Nationals next season? Is that the plan? Yeah, well, yeah, I will be. I will be off to, um, I think I'm doing the Maui Channel Swim and the Waikiki Rough Water in Hawaii later this year. And then after that, um, I need to look at the World Cup timetable and see if I can go to one of the World Cups later in the year for a bit of race experience. And then, yeah, next year, next year Nationals will be, will be key. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much for sharing all of that on the, the podcast. I know, um, you know we had a lot no, of people listen to, um, well, I did sort of two rottenest episodes in the lead up to it and um, a lot of people who actually did the race who who listened to those ones. And I think, you know, just seeing what the winner and the, and the record holder, seeing what what you did in the lead up to it, even though it was probably a bit yeah. different than, than normal, it's just really great to get an insight into to that and see what sort of sessions you're doing, what, what what your feeding plan is, and even though it's individual, it's it's good to get a, a bit of a, a a mix of an understanding of what different people do because uh, it's all about finding what works for you. Absolutely, and it was this this race was very special. This lead up was very special for me because I've never um, done a lead up for a 20k swim solely for a 20k swim. I've only ever done the 10k and you know trusted my fitness. So it was a very individual process for me as well, and I've learned a lot through this process. And obviously, having swum at once. I knew a lot more for the second time round, and then I think if I was to do it again, I'd, you know, I'd know even more about myself and how to do the race properly. Yeah, so that was great, that was great what, for me too. What was that? What was the feeling like for you once you hit the sand and you, you know, you knew you'd gone under four hours and you knew that you'd won it? Like, I mean, obviously, it's going through any sort of injury, especially when you're out for three months. I can, yeah, like, it just it knocks you around. I think, yeah, you know, mentally as well, it's a very yeah absolutely. challenging thing to go through and to stick to your physio and your rehab. And then to only have six weeks build up. I mean, that what what was that like for you when you knew that you'd come home with the goods? Well, it's just relief more than anything. If I'm honest, I was just so happy that I'd, I'd done it, and all of the six weeks was all worth it, you know. And because I knew the guys who I was racing against, so just coming coming across the finish line, knowing that you know I'd back myself six weeks ago to do it, and then I backed myself again on the race day, and then I had the mental toughness to stick it out for all four hours or just under, and kept that intensity up the entire time uh, mentally. So it was just massive weight off my shoulders, you know, that I'd, I'd done it and I'd back myself and then um, essentially back in the sport after three months out. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, congratulations again. And uh, it's a great, Thank great you. story to um, to be able to to do that. So best of luck for for next season and those World Cups and everything. And um, yeah, really Thank appreciate you, you uh, sharing all that in the podcast. Thanks, no worries. Thanks for having me. So first of all, congratulations on your your win at Rottnest. That was uh, an amazing swim, and you said it was the first time that you've done the race solo. 
Yeah, that's right. It was um, it was a really good experience. I've done it in teams and duos maybe six or more times. So first time I've been able to do it solo, and yeah, I think we picked a pretty good year to do it. Yeah, mate, it was. I was talking to Simon about this, and like it's it was fast conditions, but not easy conditions, just because of the the chop, and it it got quite windy, especially towards the the middle of it. How did you find the race overall? How did it go compared to what you planned? Uh, this is a funny question because it actually went um, nothing like how I how I had planned. <laughs> um, so the the girls that came second and third, I trained with them um, on a regular basis, and um, no discredit to them, they're good national and state level swimmers. Um, but I'm generally probably in a 5k at least five or so minutes. Sorry, in a 10k about five or so minutes in front of them. So I thought in this channel swim, I'd probably have a lead on them from quite early on in the race, um, just knowing how our race history was and our training history as well. And as it turns out, I, um, I they were in front of me by about 100 metres up until the 15K mark, and I didn't actually manage to overtake them um, until the 18K mark. So. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's a real credit to the girls. They put up a really strong race. And, look, the Rottnest Swim is something so different to um, just a 10K marathon swim, which is what I usually race in the Olympic distance or a uh, swim from point to point in a lake. There's a lot of factors that go into the race. And um, the channel is so wide, actually, that you can take so many different lines to get to the same point. And ultimately, I think the line I took would have been good in any given year if the easterly wasn't blowing so strong on the day. So we took quite a southern line, um, which mainly counters a current which comes into the channel, which goes south to north, usually around the 15K onwards mark. And I think what happened was, as it turned out, we took perhaps a line that was a bit too south. Um, one of the girls went straight down the middle. Another girl veered north and carried on south. And Eventually, when we all came together at the pointy end of the race, we could see where each other were hmm. and where we were ranking against each other. And, yeah, my crew were like, look, um, thought you were first, but you're, you're fourth girl, 100 metres behind um, the next one. And they actually – there was a, a guy swimmer in there called Nicola, so they thought that was um, a female swimmer. But, nonetheless, I was still third swimmer um, up until the 18K mark. And when I finally got sight of them – around the 15k mark and I could see their boats I just went on the attack basically and changed my race plan completely um I also think I went a little bit too slow at the start um a lot of people were saying to me it's a really really hard race um make sure you don't burn too much energy at the start just do nothing for the first 10k and uh, just given the way I usually train and race if I go too slow I tend to sometimes just go too slow um, and I guess clock off mentally and I was relaxed and I was comfortable but perhaps I just didn't have that that consistent um, sustainable pace at the start which would have gotten me a bit more of a lead on the girls instead I just stayed perhaps the same pace or slower um, and plus combined with the not the best route that we took um, I ended up quite far behind the girls in the end. Mm. So well, you came away with the wind and the the win and the record which is uh, which is a, a great result and it's uh it's such a there's so many different variables to that race isn't it and it's hard to know exactly where you are because it's such a wide field 
and you you can't well especially if you're in the water i mean you're, you're relying on your crew to kind of have a general idea of where the other swimmers are and the other boats are but it's it's really yeah. just comes once it comes down to the pointy and then you've you've got an idea of where you are but it's um you're kind of in no man's land for a while there aren't you yeah absolutely i think particularly until I saw the girls' boats. And because the swell was actually quite big in the middle of the race, it's really hard to sight. So I was completely reliant on my crew who did a really good job. Um, they had the app which monitored uh, the other boats so they could roughly see where they were. Um, but I think it wasn't quite clear just how far in front they were until we started spotting them and we all came together in the channel. Mm. Um, but you're 100% reliant on your crew. I mean – that was my race plan anyway, was that my skipper would set the course, my paddler would follow my skipper, and I would follow my paddler. And that's it. And they were feeding me information um, such as pace, um, stats of where I sat in the field, uh, distance covered, uh, how, how far to go to the next boy, just little things like that which actually keep you motivated during the race. And um if it wasn't for my crew, I wouldn't have been able to know any of my positions in the race or, or my feeds or anything like that. So you're really reliant on your crew on the day. Mm. And uh, and what about feeding? How do you how do you approach that for the 20Ks? What did that look like? So my feed strategy is probably a little different to what others might do. Um, so I usually race the 10K Olympic distance marathon and I've done that for quite a few years now. So in those races... I will only get an opportunity to feed um, once in a, every lap. And, and the courses can change, so they can change from a 1K lap to uh, sometimes even a point-to-point, point, but more often they're a lap, um, they're courses. So in this instance, you've got the opportunity to feed as much as you want because it's a point-to-point point and you've got support crew along the way the whole way. So I decided I'd feed uh, once every 20 minutes and in those feeds, I had a diluted amount of gels and electrolytes. Um, and I just kept that feed the whole way through every 20 minutes. It was quite simple. Um, the reason for that was I wanted to maintain the uh, regular intake of glucose and carbohydrates into my body, electrolytes being the key factor given it was quite warm and salt water. So every feed had salt uh, every feed had electrolytes. Um, and towards the 15K mark, I loaded a couple of my feeds with caffeine as well uh, just to get that edge towards the end where I might be fatiguing. Mm. No, Solomon was the same. He said up until uh, – I don't think he fed up until the Lewin, so 1,500 into it, but then yeah. every 20 minutes as well is what he, he did. So did you mix your you mix your gels and your electrolytes with a bit of water and then just down that every 20 minutes? Yeah, that's right. So quite like Sol, I didn't feed until – uh, 30 minutes into the race so that probably brought me up to about close to two and a half k in um, because I figured if you have a good breakfast and you have if you're well hydrated before you don't really need to feed in that first half an hour but it all depend on who the person is um, so what I did was I had about half a shot so a gel shot in each feed diluted with um, a little bit of water and electrolytes so an interesting thing I think most people don't consider is that it's not actually the the volume of water or liquid that you need in a feed that'll keep you going, but it's the electrolytes. So people will often guzzle, you know, I've heard feeds of um, every 15 minutes with 600 mils of Gatorade. I mean, that's a lot of volume. <laughs> 
don't know how you and, keep that down. That's like the uh, like well, the exactly Auburn. Right. What is it? The the Gatorade Challenge or the Powerade Challenge? I don't know. If you're, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's almost yeah, like that. Well, it's not pleasant. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's not the amount of liquid that you need. It's the quantity of the electrolytes um, in that liquid volume. So I only take um, – I only have the bottles, which are about 375 mils, just um, supermarket water bottles, the smaller ones, and I only fill them maybe um, half up with the volume of liquid that I consume each 15 minute, uh, each 20 minutes. Um, and also you need to be able to relieve yourself in the water if you need to if you're going to be drinking that much um, volume. And some people just can't do it. So it's a factor that I think people often disregard. They think, oh, I need to be really hydrated. But it's not actually the water um, volume. It's the quality um, and the quantity of the electrolytes in that volume. Yeah, that's that's a good insight. And, I mean, how what would you do for a 10K? How would that change for a, a 10K race where you, you might feed once, twice, maybe three times? Yeah, so in a 10K, I, I my feed strategy is generally to feed every, well, probably two or three times in a race. Uh, it depends on where the feed pontoon is in a race. Um, and the 10K is a lot different because there's a lot more strategy involved in terms of um, pack swimming. So we'll swim in a pack and I base my feeds where I think um, it'll be comfortable to take a feed having regard to how far into the race I am, how much I need that energy. Um, so, for example, I wouldn't take a feed at the 8K mark when there's just 2K of a race to go because that's likely when the sprint is coming on in a race and it's often too congested uh, in the pack to break away to get a feed or a lot of the girls that I race with won't feed from the feed pontoon. And they'll bypass it all together. So if you're in that pack at 8K, generally my priority would be to stay with that pack and um, going to the side for a feed doesn't really doesn't really work strategically with a um, solid race plan like that. Mm. And and what about your training leading up to it? Were you able to train specifically for the for this race, or did you just stick with your normal sort of 10K training? Because obviously that's the the main focus. Or were you able to sort of change your sessions in the lead up to it? Yeah, so I it's been a bit of an interesting ride for me. Um, I had my last international race late last year um, at the Southeast Asian Games and I took two months off swimming. Um, I guess I was toying with the idea of retiring, if you could say that. Uh, so I took a couple of months off and just did other training, uh, did other things, and then I kind of decided I'd give Rottnest a go since I'd never really gotten around to doing that um, while I was racing internationally. So I got back in the water for eight weeks and during the eight-week period um, I trained with my club at Perth City Swim Club and my coach Matt McGee who's been my long-time coach now for over 10 years. And even though I wasn't – I mean Rottnest isn't a, on the international racing calendar, um, we still had a goal and we phased back in so it took me – about eight weeks to get to full training uh, capacity where I was able to hold the cycles and times I was pretty close to holding while I was at my peak in training. And um, I actually went away then for four weeks to northern Norway um, and the UK because my partner's from the UK. And it was a trip we'd planned for, for quite some time, so I was never going to let a, um, a swim get in the way of that given I haven't really had a holiday for probably quite a few years now. <laughs> so 
yeah, we ended up going away over Christmas, um, which ultimately took me away from the pool for four weeks. And I got quite sick over that time uh, just before I left with just a bad flu. Um, but, man, I was ill the entire time I was away. So even though I might have been able to access a pool irregularly when I was away, um, I couldn't because I was so sick. So I got back and had six weeks to get ready for Rottnest um, with a bit of a interrupted and shaky preparation, to say the least. Um yeah, so what I did was um, jumped in with uh, my guys who, in our squad, they their main distance is the 10K, so they're still training for that. But the training I've done over the last 10 or so years was enough to get me through the race. So my situation was probably a bit um, peculiar to other Rottnest swimmers. Um, I did the same training as the 10K guys, but, I mean, their sessions are – seven, eight, nine K onwards. Um, and their main sets are four or five K. So it's, it's hard training. Um, but it's what I needed to, I guess, sharpen up given I'd had a few weeks and months off, um, throughout the last six months. Yeah. And then, that, that's, oh, sorry to interrupt. That's yeah. That's really interesting. It's how you, you and Solomon had very similar lead-ins, um, yeah. by the sounds yeah. of it. It's, uh, <laughs> not, not that I'd recommend, you know, that you'd recommend copying that for, um, for anyone to intentionally take, you know, take yeah, some time really off. It's just um, injury and sickness and all that sort of stuff. But if you look back, it's 10 years of nonstop training pretty much where that yeah. that keeps you in good stead. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was obviously relying very heavily on all the, all the kilometres I'd done in training over the last 10 years. And so it, to me, the distance was never an issue. Um, it was always going to be um, strategy and, um, yeah, probably mindset. So the couple of weeks leading up and on the advice of previous Rottenness, um champions who I used to train with or who I'm friends with and I'd spoken to, I'd done some – I chucked in some really long swims in my preparation. So I got in the ocean and did two three-hour swims two weeks out of Rottnest. So I did one two weeks out and one three weeks out. Um, and I kind of built up to those swims. So on the weekend, I'd start with just a one-hour straight swim. Then I went to one and a half, two, two hours, two and a half, three hours in kind of consecutive weekends out from Rottnest. Um, and, yeah, the last two – well, the last um, two I did were three-hour swims where I got to about 13K. Um which was just to prepare me mentally for, um, yeah, for what was to come because I knew I had the kilometres under my belt. It was just um, more about the mental mindset going in. So those longer swims you did at a, a pretty reasonable pace by the sounds of it, like you weren't weren't just going completely aerobic there. there was, it was probably yeah. rightness pace for you, was it? Yeah, so the goal for me was to focus on um, the first, I guess, 15k pace because I knew I needed to push that last 5k no matter what the race situation was and as it turned out I needed to push it more than I thought I would um so my theory was all the training I'm doing in the pool with the elite guys was training me for that last 5k and I already had the first 15k under my belt but it was about keeping that pace sustainable so I kind of averaged um between probably probably about 120 pace um, maybe at the slower ends, one twenty up to one twenty five pace in those longer swims, but mostly holding about one twenty, um, and then I'd push the last probably half an hour down to um, about one fifteen pace. 
Yeah, nice. And did you do those solo or did you have someone there to, to train with? Um, I had a few drop-ins. I had um, one of my mates, Paul Laver, who won the swim a couple of years ago, um, drop in for 45, the last 45 minutes of um, one of the three-hour uh, three swims I did. Um, and he really helped me get down to that 115 pace. Uh, but the second one was just just a solo swim. And, you know, it. You prob- I probably could have dealt uh, well, I probably could have had someone swim with me. Um, it would have been a bit more fun. And I actually had planned to go with a couple of friends, but they all pulled out in the last minute for a variety of reasons. So I ended up doing it myself. But in hindsight, it was actually good training to do it myself because you swim to rightness by yourself. So why wouldn't you train by yourself at some point too? Yeah, it's good. Uh, getting through those bigger sessions by yourself, I think mentally it, it's a big tick, you know, a big um, tick of the box. And I think – you just have that, the strength and the, um, I guess the confidence going into a rottenness. If you've done some long individual training sessions, you yeah, sort of know absolutely. in the back of your mind, you'll, you'll be fine. And it's like, especially because it's so easy to, to, to have the option to get out when you're not there with someone, you, um, when you do knock out a good session, like I did a few sort of a couple of 13 case sessions, a few 10 case sessions solo. And like, they're a bit of a grind to get through, but afterwards you feel well at least me i felt so um just felt good about myself and um you know you you kind of um get into a bit of bit of flow as well when you do it like it just it tends to just roll through you know the last couple k's might go a bit slowly but it is quite uh quite a meditative state that you can get into as well yeah it's definitely about the confidence building um i mean like i said i knew i could make the distance but i not swum further than 15k before continuously um in that environment so for me it was just about getting as close as i could to that 15k 20k mark and look if i had the time i'd probably do a 20k swim but given my preparation and um, history of injuries i didn't want to throw my body into um the fire pits of shoulder surgery or something before just before rottenness so i thought i'd be a bit cautious and just cap it at three hours Mm. And uh, do you think you'd do it again after this year? Is that something that you're eyeing off or are you just waiting to see what the next 12 months holds for you? Yeah, look, I I would like to do it again. Um, I think just given this year we had great conditions and, um, you know, everyone said it's it's the hardest thing you ever do um, and it is it is a very challenging swim. But I guess I finished that race and I, I almost thought, I feel like I could have done better. <laughs> um, not to say that I wasn't giving it everything I had, but just with strategy and in hindsight, knowing, oh, with these conditions, I think um, I know for next time I would do X, Y, Z. It all comes down to experience when you're doing open water swimming. And uh, for me to break the record and win in my first solo attempt, it just makes me wonder what I could do on further attempts with that experience in the back of my mind already. So um, I'd be interested to do it again, but at this stage I'm still working out what I'm doing with my um, 10K open water swimming career. So I think I'll work that out first and then I'll, I'll come back to Rottenness. It's always going to be there for me and I really enjoy the event. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. And it's such a, such a great swim and it's, it's kind of good having a few things there where you go, oh, I could have done this better. You know, if the race goes yeah, perfectly absolutely. to plan, it doesn't keep you as hungry as, mm-hmm. as what – uh, it would if there's a few things that you'd, you'd like to do differently. So, um, yeah, that's fantastic. Well, congratulations and uh, appreciate you sharing 
your experience and uh, your training leading up to it on the podcast because I know there's a, a lot of people who did Rottnest this year or who have done it or who are looking to do it, um, who, who listen to the podcast. And um, it's it, it's good to see what yourself and, and Solomon have done in the lead up to it because I think it gives um, it, it gives people a few ideas as to what they can do. And obviously they're probably coming from very different backgrounds when it comes to competitive swimming, but um, it's, it's good to see what a range of different swimmers are doing and then choose what you think is best for you. So thank you very much for being on the podcast. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Welcome to the Effort the Swim podcast. This episode is the Rottnest Swim recap. So I've got uh, Lysandra back on and we've recorded two podcasts um, leading up to, to Rottnest where we spoke about, um, well, Lysandra spoke about some of the things that uh, that she does in the lead up to Rottnest. And then we, we had a recap about how we'd been training, some of the things that we'd been doing. Um, and that was titled How to Train for a 10 kilometer plus swim. And, uh, and this episode is just a recap on how we went at the race. And um, towards the end of the episode, I've also got Solomon Wright, who won the, the male uh, male section and broke the record for the event, which was under four hours, which was a red hot time. And also Heidi Garn, who won the females uh, for, for that event. So uh, towards the end of this podcast, we're going to talk about what, what they did in the lead up to it, what sort of training they've been doing, how they found the race, did they find it difficult, what sort of uh, things were going through their head, and just to, to dive deep on on their experience and, uh, and see what those really elite guys uh, did. So, Lysandra, welcome back to the podcast. You're becoming a bit of a regular guest now and getting oh. re- recognized in lines and um, out and about. You're just a, just a red-hot superstar these days. <laughs> that was funny. Thanks for having me, Brenton. It's always a pleasure. Well, and shout-out to uh, to Sven as well who from the uh, the swim. And um, there's a few other people as well who um, who sort of recognize, I guess, our, our voices. Recognize our voices. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which, is, uh, which is really cool. You know, it's... Um, that's the thing I love about the the swimming community, especially the the long distance swimming community. Everyone's just everyone's so friendly. There's you know there's no egos there. It's just um just a just a good thing to be a part of. And I really found that at at Rotnest is just you know I, was, I swam there on the Friday morning before the race, and there was I don't know probably one or two hundred people out there just getting some last minute um last minute feel for the water and just to to loosen up. And uh, everyone there is was was so nice and friendly, and um, met some people face to face who I'd I guess known through Facebook and through other people, and um, it was just really good fun um, in the lead up to it, and then the the swim itself. Yeah, it was really good atmosphere for me. It, that was the first when somebody <clears throat> probably because I have an accent as well, but um, just turn around and say, "Hey, I think I heard the, the podcast." Yeah. <laughs> That, that was that was fun um yeah i think the atmosphere of the race i i don't i don't think i've seen that anywhere else you know there's really good camaraderie and um i don't know you can people just talking to each other are you solo are you in a duo or in a team you know um, where do you come from what um have you done the race before I, yeah, yeah it was just a really good atmosphere and everybody was just really interested in what you had to say yeah, and it's the thing about Rottnest too is I, it's I mean I I didn't know that much about it before this year. Like obviously knew you'd done it, knew some people who had done it, but um, yep. there's only so much you can fully grasp and understand from just seeing pictures and hearing other people talk about it. But it's not until you're there, until you're a part of it, until you're training for it, where you really get um, get excited about it and you and you get the full full sense of 
what that that environment and that vibe is like when you're there and and well, you know one thing we were talking about I think on one of the other podcasts is it's like it, it's a it's a real challenge 20 k's is, is not a short distance but it's no. it, it, it is a t- it's attainable it's not like doing the you know the English channel which is sort of close to, to double that like that's a that's a massive swim but rotness is far enough where it's you know you, you're gonna have to push to get through it but it's not so far where um, it keeps most people away it's, it's that good distance in between yeah yeah and then you know if you plan your training right if you allocate you know a few months prior to the race and if you stick to your training and it's attainable for yeah i think um for most people that if you if you if you plan your four six months prior to the race you know and you do and you follow your training plan i i think um yeah a lot of people should be able to do it yeah, and I mean you've got the the teams and the duos and stuff as well, so that's that also adds to the the atmosphere. And so the conditions on the day, if we we start with that, so um, yeah. it was well the records were broken by male and female, and there was, it was probably the the quickest fields that I've seen. I, I, in terms of the the depth of the fields, I'm it seems like there was a lot of uh, good elite swimmers there, and I think there's a bit of prize money up for grabs as well, which which would have appealed to them too, but. Um, it was it was a fast day, so we had a, a strong tailwind, but it, it made it fast, but quite choppy and, and challenging. You know, how did you find find that? I, I found the same. I mean, this was um, the first time I did it, and it's always been different. And I think um, I, I I thought it was a faster, but not necessarily faster because it was really, really choppy and uh, it was actually pushing to the side you know to the north as well so i don't i don't think it was that necessarily faster um i i thought i thought it was challenging i thought it was really really challenging to having the waves breaking behind me or on top of me sometimes yeah you kind of get you know i got swamped by a few waves like and there was a few points where it feels you can almost body surf the waves you get these little like little rolls that almost come through and you get get this bit of a push but then at other times it's like you've just got a wave that comes over the top and you're completely submerged and you've got to get your arms back out and get going again and it, it was it was challenging because sometimes it felt really good and you're really riding high and yeah. getting pushed along but at other times it was just uh it's just relentless yeah i think and some of the waves you know when if it, it, it almost felt like swimming uphill when you're swimming on the top of the waves and then you had the massive drop so I think my the biggest issue for me on this race was finding my rhythm because of the way the waves were coming, you know. So once I found my rhythm, I was always breaking and I had to change sometimes my breathing patterns as well. Um, so it was it was not my normal, you know, breathing every three and just keep going. It was sort of swim and stop, swim and get, you know, tumbled almost by the wave swim a bit more, get a mouthful and then, you know, body surf. So it was, it was, it was a challenging swim. Yeah. And no, I, I think about from, I don't know, 12, 13 Ks onwards, I was, I think it was the direction of the waves and, and the wind started to pick up a bit. I went to, you know, I'm more comfortable breathing on my left. So I was probably mm-hmm. 60% on my left, but because of the waves and the direction of it, I went to breathe to my left most times and I'd kind of get this wave come over the top so I wouldn't get the breath so I didn't have to turn to the right and get the breath on the next stroke there. And it was like that for about two Ks where I just, 
I'd go to breathe on the left, but would, wouldn't really get it. So it's just, all right, breathe, have to breathe to the right on, on that one. And before it, I was breathing every three and that was fine and I had a good rhythm. But um, yeah, after that, it was just, uh, it was a real challenge to do that. And that's why you know, you've, you've got to be able to breathe to both sides and to be able to do it comfortably and at, at a good speed. Like you just, you cannot get away with it on a swim like that. No, on a swim like that, you wouldn't, you wouldn't. So let's talk about uh, let's talk about the results. So you you swam well just over five hours. Um, yes. It's always good to to stay hungry, and I think that's why you went just above five hours just to keep you coming back. Um, so just over five hours, and you got tenth female. Was that? Yeah, yeah. I was very happy. Um, just over five hours. Uh, it was five hours thirty seconds, and tenth uh, female. And I think. Um, which is funny because this was by far my fastest time, but um, in terms of placing, you know, before I think I was seventh and fourth, but it was a tough field this year. And and I I agree with you. There were a lot of um, elite swimmers. Nonetheless, you know, I'd much rather go my five hours, you know, and come 10th because I was um, so stoked with my time this time. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's not... It... I'm probably just saying this in uh, <laughs> after. So I, I went 5.07, I think it was. Um, yep. And I was aiming for 4.30 to 4.40. That's where I thought if everything went to plan, that's where I could be. And uh, I was on track up until about 12, 13 Ks. And then I just uh, I just blew up my sort of fought, my forearm started to cramp and, and seize up. And um, I, I lost that, that rhythm and started to get a bit cold. So I, I basically went from a 1.22 pace out to mid 140s like it was a massive drop off and yes. um i just couldn't i think the last k or two i might have picked it up to like one mid 130s i reckon i might have just slowly picked it up but um i just went through a massive hole there at the end and uh i kind of put, i felt like i put it all on the line and um set myself up well but then just yeah dropped off and i think that's yeah a bit of a, a lack of experience and um maybe going a bit too hard early on i just um yeah. Yeah, there's a few things I'd, I'd change next time. We'll, we'll sort of talk about that. But, um, yeah. you know, at the at the end of the day, it's, um, you know, at least for I think most people, it's it's just about getting to the end and um, a, and completing the, the challenge because it's like, yeah, at, at the end of the um, the swim, like I was just, we, we talk about, talked about it earlier where I was out of it and so cold and just so exhausted. But, you know, you just go, well, that was, that was such a great experience, and um, at the same time, yeah. yeah. And and that's you know when you first came on the podcast and you talked about the rottenness swim before I'd, I'd entered. Um, that was one of the things that you said is like you'll you'll get sore, you'll like you'll Cold, be playing, men- yeah. There's mental battles going on that that you need to get through, and uh, and that's really what what drew me in. And I had to remind myself of that 15 k's in when I'm going, what am I doing here? Um, <laughs> Yeah, it was just a, it was such a tough mental battle, and, and I likened it to how it felt for the last hour or two of the the run for the at the end of the Ironman. It's just the same sort of um, feeling, and um, yeah, yeah, and and mental games that you, you play. Yeah, I mean, I think it was for me. Um, well, first of all, Brenton, I think the lack of experience—you you never know what 20k feels like until you do it you know and uh, that's actually really admirable that you you know you push yourself you know that hard to, to 12ks I I think 
just my style of swimming, even when I swim, you know, my favorite event, the 200 fly, I'm a conservative swimmer, you know, I hold back and, um, and then I, I, I just try to push it harder, but you know, it's, you never know what it feels like until, until you do it. And then that's even, that's part of, of, I would say fun, but you know, part of the fun is overcoming those barriers is being, Oh my God, I blew out, you know, and then you see the island. And then it slowly keeps getting bigger and bigger. And I think that's one of the things at the end, you know, you keep, you see the island and it keeps getting bigger so that you have the extra push, you know, to, to get you through the finish line as well. Yeah, yeah. that's, yeah, that's it. Like I, I had to keep telling myself about 15 Ks into it. Um, well, like the last 5K felt like it took longer than the first 15 Ks. And it just <laughs> that island didn't get any closer. Even once I'd put my feet down, <laughs> still felt a long way away. But um, it's the thing I had to keep telling myself was um, that you know this is this is actually the the best part of the the race. This is you know this is what it's all about is getting through these tough moments like this. And I had to tell myself that there's people in there's people in wheelchairs. There's people who who can't can't swim. There's people who you know can't sort of have this opportunity so you've got to count yourself lucky to be able to do this and that's what I had to remind myself of when I all I wanted was to get out and have a, a steak that the skipper had talked up from uh, from the very beginning like it was just yeah when you when you're cold and you know you've got another hour and a half in the water it's uh yeah it's it's, it's, a it's tough mentally battle. tough yeah exactly it's it's it, it, it is mentally tough and that's that's the thing you just deal with it you know and sometimes I don't know if you're a kayaker, your peddler, um, who's your friend and if, you know, he, he pushed you. Cause I know my, uh, my peddler, my kayaker, Renata, she, she tells me to toughen up princess, you know, <laughs> which is what I need to hear sometimes. You know, I, I, I like hearing that, you know, just, just grit your teeth and, and toughen up princess. Now go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's good. Isn't it? You don't, you don't want, uh, you don't want sympathy through no. through a race, do you? you know you want someone just to tell you to that's it, suck it up and and get on with it, and yeah. um and for the right person, you know, I think for anyone who enters a twenty k swim, that's the what they want to hear ultimately. <laughs> yeah, true, true. And and one thing that I'd probably um, you know, I, I think I'd probably change from next time. I, I saw some footage of my basically of me swimming throughout the the race, and you know one thing that gave way first was my like my heart rate was. I felt it was really low the, the whole time. So aerobically, I was fine. And that's often the case in most endurance events. But the um, thing that gave way first was my sort of forearms and hands. They just really cramped up. And yeah. I think for me, you know, my my normal open water stroke is relatively high rating. It's sort of up around the you know, 80s or so. It was probably low 70s, I think, for, for Rottnest at the start. But one thing I do more of, uh, or, or switch to would probably just be a slightly longer stroke, a little bit more um, r- rotation and um, sort of you know, glide and reach, just just a little bit more um, to get through that 20Ks a little bit easier. So I've kind of got, I can switch between those two strokes comfortably and they're often a similar pace, but I can go that little bit quicker with the, the faster rating and the slightly less rotation. But uh, I think to last better, I'd, I'd probably want to get a little, little bit more rotation happening because that would take the pressure off my forearms and hopefully, yeah, use less effort that way. 
I think I think after doing it four times, I think I got the rotation right this time, right? <laughs> yeah, it takes, and that's what I told myself going into it. Like, whenever you do anything for the first time, you're not going to to nail it. There's no. always going to be some something or multiple things that you can learn from it, and you know, that's that's always the case. And there's no getting around it. It's just it just comes from experience, and um, so I, I didn't want to think about that too much going into it. You know, you want to think, have the confidence that you can do it and stick to plan. But uh, at, the, at the end of the day, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to have everything go perfectly the, the first time. Oh, absolutely not. No, I think, I think I, I, I have the same strategy. You know, I try to keep my strokes longer for this kind of race for, you know, my 10 Ks and 20 Ks. And, um, I definitely have more of a glide and I work on my catch while I'm gliding. I just set up for the catch and, and keep my elbows high. I think my focus for, for this race was keeping my elbows high and uh, not letting my body rotate too much. Cause sometimes I kick sideways if I rotate too much. Mm. So I was, and actually one of the crews, uh, one of the guys on the boat, that was, that was his homework to, if he saw me doing that, you know, he would have to tell me to, um, you know, swim, don't roll too much, you know, stop, mm -hmm. stop having such a, such a, stop having such a huge body roll. That, that was one of the, the tough things too. Like it's, um, I was thinking about, all right, if I switch my stroke to be a little bit longer, it's, uh, it can be tough in those conditions when it's so choppy. Like it, it's, oh, it really yeah. suits a, you know, smooth, if the seas are smooth, it suits that really well, but it can be tougher to do in, in those choppy conditions, but um, yeah, yeah, that, that just comes from from experience and, and getting yeah. out there in, in open water. And we, um, you know, the last open water swim that we did, it was just it, it was even worse than what it was at Rottnest, which was yeah. good practice. And you said that was one of the things that you thought about out there when you were racing. Absolutely, the last swim, you know, we were planning to be in the water for at least three hours, but we didn't last. I mean, we lasted two hours, but because it was a very cold that day as well, but it was. It, it was choppy, but you know we we still we still got in and we swam for as long as we could. And when I during the race, I was so glad because it. I mean, the the training session, uh, the last open water session was was choppier than that. And I was just thinking, I'm so glad you know we train in those choppy conditions. I'm prepared for this. And throughout the race, I, I actually kept telling myself just being an optimist saying, Oh, you know, it's gonna, the, the chop is going to get better. The wind is going to change, you know, but it didn't, but I, I don't know. I was just hopeful he would. And they kept me going as well. Said, Oh, it's going to change any minute. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I was, I was of a similar mindset where I was, I was trying to be as positive about it as I could. And, um, yeah, until I sort of blew up, it was just, I was thinking, to myself and trying to convince myself a little bit too that it was better conditions than it was but I was thinking wow geez this is this is like going surfing for for five hours like this is how, how lucky am I, I get to surf for for five hours and um and my stroke was feeling really good and rhythm and everything was um was was on point there and like I actually was really enjoying how it felt especially you know we had pretty smooth seas at the start and um it just felt so so good you know like all that training had um had paid off and like I've been working on my, my stroke a lot as well. And, um, it, it just, it actually was really enjoyable, obviously until the, the pain kicks in, but, um, 
yeah, it's, it's, it's nice to be able to, to enjoy at least um, some of it there. And you know, we were talking, I think the week before the race that you'd worked a lot on your, on your catch. And, and I remember we did some filming, I did some filming with you probably oh, yeah. three years ago for, um, it was our effortless freestyle um, DVD. And um, one of the things that, well, you know, comparing how you were swimming then to how you're swimming now was you, you've improved your, your catch a lot. So do you want to just talk about um, what you were working on there? Yeah, yeah. So I've been, um, I've been working on keeping my elbow high and close to the surface when I catch and actually also taking my time to set up the catch and try not to rush into the stroke and, and pulling the water as soon as my hand enters the water. So I let it enter the water and then I catch, I take, I take my time catching because I know if my elbow is high and close to the surface, you know, it will be a more, uh, a more efficient stroke. So it's, and I've been doing some, some, some drills as well that helps. And in the beginning, I couldn't even do these drills, um, to, I didn't have the coordination and to work on the catch. And with time, you know, I started, started to master those drills, but it's, um, I really, I really have to work on it. I still cannot switch off. You know, I still constantly reminding myself because when I get tired, I know my elbows drop. I know straight away mm. when, um, I just have this really deep catch under the water. So that's, it's been a long process, you know, it's not something. And at first it feels terrible to have a new stroke, but then you just stick with it and you work with it. And then it starts to become more natural. Yeah. It uh, takes, I found it took me two two or three months to really have it come together. Um, I was doing a similar thing to you. Actually, I was, um, yeah, my elbows were just dropping a, a bit, especially when I was going fast. And yes. and I was also bending my wrist to start my um, catch with my right hand. So I was like, fingertips would point down, I'd bend my wrist. And so I just wouldn't have my forearm and hand working together to um, to pull back on the water. And um, that's one thing that took me forever to, to change. Just, I, just the wrist. I, yeah. I do the same thing. I do the same mistake. I, I bend my wrist too much. And there's only one way to... To correct this, you know, you have to see, film yourself or record, see how, you know, your technique under the water. There's no other way. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. You can guess all you want, but um, yes. the feedback that I get every single clinic is, oh, that's not how I thought I looked in the water. <laughs> um, yeah, it doesn't matter who you are. You will you will look very different than what you are. Uh, than what you expect you and, yeah. and uh, especially to get that underwater footage from the side and from the front, you get such, you get such a clear idea of, of what you need to change to, to get better. And then obviously the, the, it takes time to make bridge that gap from what you're doing to, to where you want to be. And that's, yeah. that's the real challenge, but you're going to be spending that time in the water anyway. So why not focus on it? Why not practice it? And um, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. And and once you have that visual image, I don't know, for me, it helps, you know, because I can see, mm. even in the beginning, I had to look, you know, I, I was looking at my catch to see what am I doing, you know, and then after that, you know, I just put my head down and I, I didn't have to look at it anymore. But this, to have the visual, I think is essential to, to improve the technique. Yeah. And there's no, there's no reason why you can't like, you know, GoPros, you can get a secondhand GoPro for 150 bucks off uh, off ebay 
and yep. um, just just get that that visual, or you know, run the clinics. There's just it's so easy to do that. I think even the iPhone, new iPhones are yeah, new iPhones yeah, the waterproof. Savage, but, yeah, yeah, you can put it under the water. Don't blame me if it leaks like. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I think that yeah, so it's so easy to to do that now, and yeah. um. Yeah, and we, we took some quick footage the week before, right now, I think it was, and uh, just had a look at your stroke. And I, I still I want to do that comparison video because I've got that footage from three years Please. ago and your current footage. So I will. I'll put together a comparison video and I'll, I'll put it up on Thanks, um, friend. I'll be curious. Yeah, I remember doing it, but I, I know I've been working on it. So I'll be curious to see the difference. Yeah, and I one thing that I did as well, so I, I did the sort of filming. I want to film next week as well. I just want to um just get some, yeah, some footage and see how my stroke's looking but and do that next week but another thing i did before and after rotness so in august before i'd actually booked in i got a, a dexa scan which is like a body composition scan and it just it, it's very accurate in measuring your your bone mass your fat mass and your, your lean muscle mass essentially and um it kind of does that through kind of like an x-ray type thing and so i, I got that done in august and then i had that done today as well so okay. Like, what was it probably what was that six seven eight months or so um because i wanted to see that difference in in my body composition from the, a change in training and yes. so what happened was well the results were essentially i in the course of those seven months i i lost about half a kilo of of fat mass so i lost half a kilo in in weight through through fat which yeah. I, I was relatively lean going into it like i, I didn't have a lot of extra on me so yep. I lost half a kilo and then I actually lost a kilo and a half of lean muscle mass. And that's, and the guy was saying to me, um, Andrew's like, you know, normally, well, I'd ask about, all right, what have you been doing in the, the course of that time? Um, and if it's someone has changed their diet and, and it's, and they're losing that sort of muscle mass, then you, you might question, all right, maybe you want to look at that diet. But because yep. I'd just gone from essentially, it was like sprint training, um, a few more weights and that sort of thing to endurance. It's just a natural thing that comes with with long distance swimming or, or you know, long distance running, whatever it might be. It's just you're going to lose some some muscle mass and there's no um, no way around it basically. But it's actually, yeah, it is, you don't want to be carrying too much muscle either. It's just a natural thing that your body does. So I found it interesting, a kilo and a half of, of muscle mass. Oh, muscle. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. I've had one of those. I mean, I noticed... I noticed that I lose some muscle mass as well. I mean, more, I don't go on the scale that often, but, you know, mostly through my genes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the ultimate test, hey? Yeah, the, the, this is the most high-tech one. <laughs> Get your old pair of jeans. Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, I found that interesting. And um, it's it's a real, like, there's no lying. There's no hiding from from that. So it's uh, I, I like to be able to see the see the difference. So for me, like the, the three things really that that I found useful to compare are technique, obviously before and, and after, um, mm -hmm. your pace and your speed. Like I, I did a few test sets throughout the course of, of training, and it was nice to see an improvement there um, <clears throat> with the speed, and then just the um, body composition as well to see what your what your body does as it goes through it and it's you know it's six months of solid work and but when you get to the end of it you, oh. you kind of it's so, it's so nice to have that i guess reward there or, or you can actually see the difference that it's made absolutely and now the question what would you have done differently do you um, think? yeah so if, i think 
I think my feeding was was fine. Like I, I don't feel like I, yeah. you know, bonked bonked with with feeding at all. It was more just um, uh, muscle wise. So I think for me, the probably the one thing I'd do a little bit more of is just sustained pace or, or threshold work over long distances. Yeah. So like a few ten to twelve k sessions where a good majority of that is actually at my threshold pace or, you know, probably looking to hit around one, probably, you know, low 120s essentially, yeah. um, if, if not a little bit quicker. Um, but, yeah, probably some, some bigger sessions at a faster pace because most of the sessions that we did, the long distance ones were um, comfortable, very, yeah, very comfortable, just all aerobic and it was just about spending the time in the water, which you need to do. Um, but, but looking back, I think, yeah, one thing I'd add is, is that uh, maybe like – one yeah one long sustained pace session every fortnight i think would would probably um help yeah, i think I, I agree i think um i think working more or less working on the pace i want to do on the day of the race as well which i don't know for me it would be high the 120s but more 27s but you know just stay at that pace for, you know, your good 13 to 15 Ks. And, and, and unfortunately have to do that in the pool, you know, to get the, mm. a better idea of, of the pace as well. So I probably, I probably would have done the same. Well, probably will do the same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's um yeah. And it's, it's good to be able to look back at that and, uh, and kind of analyze, all right, where, where is there room for, for improvement there? And yeah, you know, I think what, what we did for, for me, last yeah lasted it was was perfect that up to to 12k like i felt really good i was right on my time and um and yeah and then it just i yeah obviously needed a little bit more of that sustained pace work to get beyond that 12 13 k's i think but um yeah geez it was such a good feeling to be able to hold it um for that long and you know we talked a bit about just getting into to flow and, you know, just kind of um, feeling like you're almost separate from your, your body somewhat. And it was just, um, yeah, it was really in, enjoyable. And, you know, you start with the sunset, like the sun's coming up. It's kind of like this, it's a beautiful sky. The water's calm and um, it was, yeah, it's just, I loved it. Really enjoyed it. I'm glad. I'm glad, Brenton. I'm glad. And that's, I mean, and that's, you have to be, like, we, we spoke about this before, you have to be able to enjoy it, you know, and I don't know, the color of the water is so beautiful. I try to enjoy those things as well, and I saw some stingrays along the way. Um, I don't know, the small things I try to to enjoy, and um, to be honest, I felt good, and I felt I was on my pace for the first time ever throughout the entire race, you know, and I, I really when the people on the boat, I, I actually, I didn't know, I didn't want to know where I was. So I, I was only told at the 15 K mark and I actually felt, ah, oh, 15, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> I, I actually felt that that's good. Cause I, I still, I still had some fuel in the tank and they said, if you keep going this pace, you're going to go just, you know, just under or five hours. And that, that, I don't know, that kept me going. And, um, and, and so they would actually yell from the boat and say, you, you're on, you know, you, you're going to go five hours and I would stop and go, what? And then they'll go, keep going. <laughs> Every time they, they were just telling, you know, my peddler that you know, I was on track and then I would stop and then everybody would just 
yell at me, just don't stop. <laughs> well, you, you're listening out whether you need to jump out because of a shark. It's uh, you, you, oh, you always want to be attentive and aware of what's happening. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What's actually they're actually yelling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's um. I, I saw the I saw the ten k big channel ten. Um, boy out there and then I, I i think i saw all the boys as i passed them and i i, I kind of wanted to know where i was i didn't want to know what pace i was at so like i didn't record that or have anyone tell me or anything during the um the race but uh yeah it was once i think once i got to like sort of 14 15 k's i thought i was about a k ahead of where i actually was oh, so okay. i think like i might have seen the 15k boy i thought i was i was at about 16k in and um, yeah, so it, just, it seemed like it never came after that. So I think I'd probably be better off just going, try to not see the boys and just keep going off, off the watch. You know, I fed every sort of 45 or 30 minutes and, um, yeah, just, just keep ticking off those half hour or 45 minute blocks and then you eventually get there. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good, one. That, that, that was sort of my, my mentality this time. That's why I didn't want to know and. It was, I think, because I didn't ask, and I think Renata, my my peddler, she thought it was important for me to know that I was at the 15k mark because we weren't. Well, I wasn't asking before. She said I, I would ask more often, and um, this time I was just going for it. But she said even my facial expressions, you know, this time I was a lot more more relaxed. Um, just by looking at me and the way I was asking for water or gels, you know, it's just, it depends on if, if, on how you feel on the day as well. This, this, this was a good swim for me, but it took me four goals to feel this good. <laughs> yeah. And I'm so, I'm so glad to, like glad to see you have such a great swim and, um, and have everything go to plan. Like it was just, um, yeah, just, it's, it's so good to, to nail that that perfect race and i because i was only just i was seven minutes behind you so i think you were were you like i don't know if you're like at the fence or something maybe talking to someone or like not that yeah i basically saw you after the the race yep. and i was like i didn't even know what didn't know what um time it was or anything like that but i saw it, i was like holy crap you're there like you're <laughs> right there i because it's you don't see anyone passing you or like no, where or anyone no. is and like i yeah, because I, um, I think I was coming third after the first hour or so, and then it must have just been a steady stream of people slowly passing me from about 12k onwards. And um, but I, I had no idea because I didn't. I might have seen one other boat out there, but you just don't know. They're, no. they're so far away. You're just kind of out there on your own, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Most of the race you're on your own. This, I mean, because it was so rough before, I could see other boats here and there. I had an idea where people. Where the, where the people were, but this time I felt really, I couldn't see many people. I felt really alone out there. Um, just, I, I don't know, this particular time, Brenton. So I know you have no idea where, where you are in the pack sometimes. No, yeah, not at all. Um, well, thank you for jumping back on and uh, being such a regular on the podcast. Pleasure. It's, um, it's good to recap and, and have a bit of a, a debrief. And I think most importantly is just look at um, what worked and, and what to change next time. Like it's, um, that's where, that's where you can really start to, to improve. Yeah. And I know you definitely haven't been, been there for the last time. And, um, I need to decide whether I'll do it next year or not, or, or the year after I'll, uh, 
see how this dad bod goes after May, <laughs> how, how bad it, uh, it is. But um, yeah, no, I, I just enjoyed the training so much. And um, it's, I, I, I did it too. I actually, I, I enjoyed the training and I think I had the best preparation thanks to you this time, Brenton, for sure. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, no, I, I wouldn't have, uh, I probably would have pulled, not pulled out, I probably would have bonked it about 6K in, I think, had we not uh, done the training together. So thanks for, uh, <laughs> thanks for, um, yeah, being my training partner and um, yeah, it was really thanks. enjoyable. It was a lot of fun. Okay, well, we'll talk in a few months and uh, I'll see where you're at. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> thanks, Lucinda. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Effortless Swimming Podcast. If you'd like us to help you become a faster, more efficient swimmer, go to www.effortlessswimming.com.